0: Hello everyone and welcome to the EVN Describe podcast. My name is Najat Zataryan. I'm the editor of the creative tech section here at EVN Report. Our guest this week is Anna Shahinyan, she's the co-founder and CEO of FiveBrain. She leads a platform designed to streamline the development of AI models in healthcare. FiveBrain provides tools that enable data scientists and healthcare professionals to collaborate while working with the data that is used to develop their models. It also provides analytical tools to evaluate the quality of their data. Anna shared with us how AI is used in medical imaging and healthcare today, as well as the potential it has to help doctors drive better treatment outcomes. Thank you for listening. Anna, thank you so much for coming here today.
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: Let's start with a little bit of your background. I know you have a really rich background with a lot of different experiences. Yeah. So, Tell us how you got started and how you got to the world of AI.
1: Okay, my background is physics. I have done a PhD in quantum physics and um, my co-founders also have a PhD in quantum physics and not only in high energy physics also. Uh, basically, story starts from the point when um, our background. So we, I was very interested in physics. I liked it too much, and uh, my co-founder Tigran Yerkanian was also working in PhD on our PhD stuff. And from that point, we know each other from our student years. It was really fun to know each other, and uh, also we had an opportunity to work together at Instigate. Starting from my student years, when I was doing my master's, I also was working at Instigate Design. As an, I have started as intern, mm-hmm. and uh, by uh, 20, I mean on uh, 2018, I was promoted to CTO at Instigate yeah. Design. So. In, How long
0: was that journey from intern to CTA? Um
1: So I have started uh, 2006 and promoted on uh, 2018. 12 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. Uh, the goal thing with CK Design is that it is deep tech outsourcing company in electronic design automation domain, basically. Of course, it has many domains like uh, embedded the system design uh, the, uh, um, and artificial it. intelligence um, a lot of different stuff mm-hmm. of different stuff yeah and it was really fun to work there and uh, that helps helped you to gain a lot of experience in tech
0: is that where you discovered ai as well
1: yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so um when it's an automation com- uh, domain industry it is getting squeezed squeezed because yeah, many as you can know um Big companies who are each acquiring each other. Mm-hmm. So for startups, it is hard to stay there. And uh, basically, the idea was to involve AI because, and for that time also, AI was gaining its hype. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we decided to add an AI profile to the company. Yeah.
0: Just so like starting to take on AI projects from yeah. clients yeah. abroad so, and yeah. stuff. And then, what what made you decide to? To to leave the, the role of CTO and become a, a founder.
1: I mean, um, I think it was especially like especially after twelve
0: years, right? Like it's it
1: was it was really fun. It was. I mean, I have worked at Cisco uh, about fifteen years, wow. yeah, something like that. So it was enough yeah. <laughs> to be in one company, even though it is nice. But whatever you need to, at some point, you are you need to go ready to, to graduate. Yeah. yeah, and to yeah. graduate yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, so that was the decision, and I wanted to discover other world. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was 2020 when I left the company, and um, it was a pandemic period. I was doing consultancy to some companies, for some companies in computer vision AI domain. And from that period, because it was hard to hire somebody else, and uh, also it was a pandemic period. Yeah. So uh, that's why uh, for that consultancy projects, uh, I started to automate uh, some stuff to help me and also involve my co-founders that we are now working with. Um, So the point was that um, we wanted to automate to uh, ship the results in short period of time and also have a high reliability on the results. It was AI. You were trying to automate computer
0: vision tasks? Yeah, yeah. Specifically what? Uh,
1: It was, uh, one of them, uh, uh, was um, unmanned vessel navigation system uh, for some Singaporean company uh, that was one thing, um, and uh, because we received a lot of data, it was hard to understand how. So and this is a big company, and when they are collecting data, they are at some point they are um, losing. Uh, the um, management how well and how diversified it is and mm-hmm. all this stuff is not available because it works, it is for all big companies. You are at some point one hand doesn't know what is doing the other right. hand. Right. And for us, it was very important to understand how good the data is and what is missing there, what about the data is. And first, we have started to add analysis tools to visualize, uh, to extract meta information, to understand the data, which will help us also to build better AI solution. It is also goes to management. If I know the data is has this type of biases and it doesn't have that this type of uh, information in it so I can communicate this information with my customers so it'll, if you give me more data in this domain mm-hmm. then we we'll, can increase the performance like this. Otherwise it should fill in this domain. So it is going about predictability of your results which is very important in AI because in AI we work with multiple uh, multiple billions of parameters, and it is really hard. I mean, you have also a tech background, you know, that um, working with multi-billion parameters, it is hard, it is Mm -hmm. unpredictable, and we need to add some kind of, uh, we need to leverage it and Mm -hmm. add more tools and uh, get more insights about the data.
0: So you were the system that you built to automate some of that workflow was monitoring the performance of a model on a, a data set or, or looking just at the quality of the data
1: um, so it, it has multi layers uh, we have started with analyzing the data unstructured data basically and then the structured data it is about extracting meta information from the unstructured data analyzing it picking up the core set keeping the focus on a smaller set which describes better which describes the whole data set i mean whole it is like 90 percent at least Mm -hmm. data and then based on that 90 percent Build AI solution and then incrementally improve it.
0: Explain what that meta infra, uh, the metadata that you you you'd be extracting is, so that people understand the entire lifecycle.
1: Um, yeah, but basically, if it goes about if we are talking about uh, images, it can be brightness, contrast, blurring information, sharpness, noise information there, and also we are extracting feature space uh, from the images, like uh, how would. So from from several layers, we are extracting meta information of from the um, neural network. We are extracting several layers information, and see how this uh, feature space is, and how different cal- classes, how many clusters do we have, and how close uh, from the feature space uh, point of view the points are close each other, and it means that we have semantic information, similar information there. Uh, so if we don't need to have a lot of similar information, so mm-hmm. and we don't waste our time on labeling on these similar information.
0: Right. Like, so all of that information helps inform you on what uh, what to focus on to improve the, the system, yeah. right?
1: And mm-hmm. which uh, which points, data points, we can pick up for the later consideration of the out annotation and then model training.
0: Right. And then was this what you turned into the product that became FiveBrain?
1: Uh, yep. Yeah, so the starting point was uh, is to analyze the data and structure data pick up the points that contains most of the information describe what uh, better the data set and then auto label it uh, as I mentioned uh, we wanted to reduce the effort on a development so we wanted to label the data based on very few images like 50 100 or more so it depends on the field of course on how many images you will need to better Mm-hmm. Uh, automate this process um, for some benchmark we have some benchmarks that, that this works quite well f- with 50 or less images in some like in medical domain we mostly our benchmark shows that it works with 100, 220. In mm-hmm. some cases, we had uh, with 200 images uh, that uh, has shown 98% accuracy on the rest data set uh, labeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is one point. And then when we, so we analyze the data, we label the data. And now uh, we have this specific understanding like augmentation uh, when you are injecting new, so you are transforming the data and you are getting more information a new data. Uh, And in in order to understand which kind of data you need, again, you need to have a meta-understanding of the data. That's why we also used this analysis information to understand which kind of transformations on the images we need to apply so that it will add uh, information instead of noise let's say
0: hmm. uh, but do you do you also need the model do you do you need the performance of some given model on that on that So we data? have
1: our we have our own models uh, that help us but um, uh, since there is only one point, I mean, there is one step to do, we have added in Fibram platform. It is an infrastructure platform with a web interface that allows uh, AI engineer to, uh, ca- uh, to start from unstructured data and end up with uh, AI model development. Mm. So And nowadays, we also have uh, active le- learning uh, cycle. Uh, there's, this is like when you uh, start with uh, some we're picking up some set of from uh, unstruck unlabeled data set, uh, train, uh, label it, then train your model, then based on that information that your model gives you, feedback, you are picking up the next uh, right. subset. So we have also have this information in our platform and it also works with the corset selection so it can work if the engineers wants it can s- work with this uh, corset selection uh, part and uh, by and the idea is to shorten uh, the time to having the result and have it reliable result instead of unreliable results right and right. Uh, redundancies biases, overfitting
0: right so tell us the primary use case you guys are focused on.
1: Uh, now we are mostly focused on medical domain uh, because f- from our analysis we come up that in medical AI that are working with medical imaging, um, the value that the platform brings it is high because in uh, so building AI solution is expensive, building medical AI solution is quite expensive. Yeah. So reducing the budget and efforts there is big uh, impact, can have big impact, it has big impact rather than the other domains. So because uh, the point that I mentioned that we can, um, because for example, in medical domain, uh, the data is a real value, it is hard to acquire new data. In automotive, it is not because it is everywhere. Right. And uh, that is one point. Everybody For medical, I
0: guess you have to wait for someone to go get a, a scan, yeah. <laughs> and then you have, they have to be willing to give that scan to some data set. That's true. Right. So That's it's true. very hard. It is very hard.
1: Yeah. And for that, we have also added, we are adding, uh, it hasn't finalized yet, we are adding a layer that we are leaving the data on the hospital, on the healthcare uh, environment, and the AI model, it is called federated training. Mm. AI model is, let's say, goes to the healthcare infrastructure site, learns the data, and it takes only meta information. Mm-hmm. Not we are not aqua- taking the data, but of course mm. we can uh, have also the data to to the same platform, to the same infrastructure. So right. it, it is currently in place, but this federated training we are now. We are in the development process and working on that mm-hmm. and expecting that this can uh, this will reduce the um, effort on negotiating uh, on acquiring data and reduce the efforts on um, data access also
0: so through through federated learning you without directly gaining access to the actual image sample you just gain the you just take the features of that image sample that would be what the neural net would need yeah. to come up with some uh, prediction at yeah. the end. Yeah. Right? So it's a privacy-focused mm-hmm. thing, which is mm-hmm. which is obviously extremely important for me- the medical yeah. domain. And
1: also it reduces uh, the security issues, like maintenance mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the infrastructure, that is one aspect again that uh, FiveBrain provides. I have uh, stopped saying that, uh, for example, um, in also in medical domain, medical experts, uh, doctors uh, need to annotate the data. Uh, but currently, we have a shortage of pathologists, we have shortage of radiologists, and it is really hard to involve um, a good expert uh, in R and D tasks. Mm-hmm. That it is. Uh, but in order to have high reliability on your AI, you need to have expert.
0: Yeah, because in in other domains, you can get um, non-experts to annotate the data because it's easy for people to see what a stop sign is and and label it as a stop sign. But and uh, if I'm looking at a, um, an X-ray of a lung, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Right? <laughs> yeah, Only a doctor right. or a, radi- a radiologist oh, yeah. would be able to see. Yeah. yeah, I never, I never even considered how difficult it must be to get those extremely busy people to sit down and label stuff. Do they make like medical students or or lower tiered? People on under... the...
1: So it depends. Uh, it depends on the cases, of course. We also have consensus. We have also not a consensus. In medical domain, you need always have a, two uh, opinions or more mm. than two opinions. And in order to leverage this and um, come, we we'll also help with the help of technology to reduce the efforts and uh, help. We have designed unsupervised technology uh, that doesn't have biases from the medical experts because medical experts can have different opinions about the same disease, the same picture. Um, We have another uh, unsupervised technology that verifies I wouldn't say that it verifies. It is like another opinion. So let's not say we right. can verify doctors' <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> doctors' yeah. uh, decisions, but uh, it is another deci- another opinion.
0: But do they accept that?
1: Uh... Oh yeah. Okay. In some cases, they do. Right. <laughs> In so some cases, for example, no. if
0: you're looking at a, a like a skin cancer, an image of a, um, a, a molar mole or rash that could be skin cancer, mm-hmm. you're you're saying that. Um, in order to label that image as um, malignous, as, as it is cancer, there would need to be at least two doctors approving that? Uh, uh, it
1: depends on the cases, again. Um, but um, in some cases, we, we need to do. In general, in the medical domain, it is better once somebody annotates, the other one verifies. Okay. Because, because, in any case, it is a matter of eye and how. In, if you have seen a, a radiological images uh, that I grey, right. uh, yeah. black and white, yeah. something like this. And it is yeah. really, you are, the doctors are um, doing it uh, maybe an hour, they can look. Uh-huh. If it is some difficult case, they are, can look into it many hours, um, 30 minutes, I don't know. Yeah. So it depends on the case. And if, uh, they, are, if they are tired, uh-huh. they cannot notice it because just you are tired. Right. And, right. and it is a small change in the image. Right. Um, so... That's why uh, it is uh, mostly the protocol requires in uh, most of the cases, requires that another one can verify. Mm-hmm. And if there is no consensus, we need to find a third person mm-hmm. or <laughs> something like a all techn- another technology.
0: Interesting. Would the third person that sort of breaks the tie ever be the technology or would it be doctor technology, and then if there's a disagreement, another doctor looks at it and makes it super We anxious. always
1: rely on the doctor, what, yeah. is, what doctor is saying. They get the final say, yeah. understandably.
0: Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of uh, talk over the last couple of years of, uh, like for example, earlier you mentioned self-driving cars. There's been a lot of work done in synthetic data generation. Um, one, because it's much cheaper uh, to do. You can generate all the scenarios that you think are important for your model. But it sounds like for the medical space, I don't know. But it sounds like it would be extremely difficult or impossible to do, given the like how much safety and rail guards there need to be in place to ensure that the mm-hmm. quality of the data is high. So, is there any work being done in that in that space? Or?
1: They are. Uh, now uh, we are working with one company, uh, uh, and uh, we are so we are doing some type of research. I understand? So they are generating their data lake. Uh, startup and they are generating data uh, in medical images also they have and this uh, we'll is synthetic yeah. data it is yeah. some part of some synthetic data uh, but uh, the main uh, problem with synthetic data generation is that in some cases we can end up that it doesn't make sense from anatomical point of view mm-hmm. it is uh, the hard part uh, so we can generate but if we, if we have some White yeah. point somewhere yeah. from an, at- an atomic point of view doesn't make sense. Yeah, it be so precise. That, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like I was generating these images over, over the weekend of um, Christmas in Yegevan in the early 90s. And it generates the image, but the there's like gifts that people are supposed to be holding. But instead of them holding it, it's just kind of like on their chest. Mm-hmm. Which is fine if it's just a little picture of the Avon in 1990, but if it's a cancer screening or something, that's a, <laughs> that could be someone's life or death, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, we all, we have also tried something that uh, at the moment didn't end up uh, something valuable that can be t- uh, state mm-hmm. of it is for for the moment we haven't come to some state of art solution. Yeah. But uh, for sure, at some point we can. I mean, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, the future is long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Let's speak a little bit about where AI and medical imaging is being used uh, today, just in hospitals and uh, how are hospitals utilizing this technology. What are they using it for?
1: Uh, this is growing domain in general, um, and um, it's the market. The growth, uh, uh, the growth is estimated per year 30, uh, 36 and. Four. So it depends. For imaging, it is forty six, something like that. For AI in healthcare, it is forty two. Mm-hmm. The growth rate, um, but adaptation is quite hard um, uh, because different points. First, radiologists afraid to adopt it. Uh, second, um, again, we have uh, the startup for the startups. The point from the having the solution and bringing it to hospital. Uh, it is long uh, because uh, need, they need to pass the regulations, uh, compliances, and all this stuff. And it is taking uh, from two to four years, mm-hmm. uh, depending on which country, which type of solution you are bringing to. Basically, uh, the solutions are mostly used in a diagnostic uh, domain. And uh, there are some solutions in, for surgery domain, so uh, they are different, but most most of them are used for like uh, like assistance for the doctors. Mm-hmm. As I said, uh, currently we have a shortage of pathologists. We have shortage of radiologists and uh, they work on the press, and it is hard for them really to, if the AI solution can help them to make, a, in a short period of time, make and put the concentration, like you can look to this point, and from my point of view, like AI is saying here is this type of disease or there is not disease, uh, this uh, in general helps, but um, but again, the adaptation is uh, far away. For the moment many companies are um startups basically are um struggling mm-hmm. that is
0: earlier when you said those numbers like 42 percent uh, those are percentages like year over year how mm-hmm. much it's growing the usage of it in hospitals is there one country that is doing it more aggressively than others is it the u.s or is there like an outlier country that we might not think of.
1: I know some companies who have adopted solution in U.S., in Israel, in Great Britain. So this is the companies that I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, the countries. Co- so I know yeah. co- companies that have adopted their solution in these countries. Right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, basically it is um, U.S. Uh, Great Britain.
0: Right. So the usual players. <laughs> Do we know uh, what results?
1: Uh, sorry, I would like to mention that Africa is also is has some type of plans. Mm-hmm. um and because uh they need more medical expertise and uh, having some uh and they have m- many diseases uh, that are um widely spread there mm-hmm. and um now they are in the like they're not adopting as US on great britain but uh, there is a good uh, concentration there
0: is it also a factor of this makes the doctors work more efficient and faster so if you have a shortage of doctors in any one part of the world they would be interested in adopting it faster in order to help mitigate that gap or
1: um that is the expectation right that is the expectation basically and um also, uh, did, this can help uh, management, uh, healthcare management, hospitals management, uh, so that they can provide better services. And for example, uh, in US, uh, you shouldn't wait weeks for that uh, decision, doctor's decision. It is mm. uh, some issue, if right, there is. Right. that's why it is one of the frontiers to mm. adopt, adopt uh, AI-driven solutions. So it depends on, of course, again, on the expectations from the healthcare system.
0: Right. Do we have any data on um, the countries and the hospitals, rather, that have implemented this? What outcomes they've seen? Like, is patient care better? uh, Are are doctors able to get through more cases more quickly?
1: Uh, No, I don't have this type of uh, numbers. It's just too Uh, early. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe not. I can look into that. Mm -hmm. I haven't uh, investigated that part Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, in some cases, I mean, uh, I don't really know the numbers, but uh, there are improvements in right. the context yeah. of basic about when uh, it goes uh, to rare diseases.
0: Mm-hmm. I was also reading that um, one of the things that AI and medical image is really helping doctors with is patient tracking over like the life cycle of their treatment, because those scans need to constantly be compared and stuff, and it results in better... Better treatment outcomes because the, the data that the doctor is working with is more accurate than. Uh,
1: it is also about early diagnosti- mm. diagnostics because I don't know whether you have noticed that article. It was in CNN, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, like when the breast cancer AI has predicted four years before, then the doctors have seen it. Wow. Four years is quite big now, right? That's incredible. Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> yeah. It is, the main question is about how early we can detect and because AI can, it works with much more data rather than single doctor can work and it is a matter of yeah. name, numbers.
0: Right, right. That's incredible because it, it's all, it's so often spoken about how cancer can be treated much better if we just caught things much, much earlier. So if you could catch it, like for example, breast cancer four years before the average doctor could it could probably plummet the number of, of deaths in that, that space, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Basically, that's why uh, we are very excited in our company <laughs> that we can help uh, to in early diagnostics and uh, the technology. So basically, we are not the com- uh, the company that provides the solution to the hospital. We are in the middle mm-hmm. that provides technology to companies to build better AI solution and right. adopt it, have it in a short period of time and relax reliable solution obtain have a reliable solution and um, that is the main thing that uh, we are mostly focused Uh, on. now we are doing with some institute's investigation of rare diseases so because we have uh, data optimized uh, intrinsic ai models we are now doing research to understand whether these can be useful for rare diseases Hmm. Uh, so this work is under development and hope in three months, we'll have some solution and we'll let you know.
0: Why would rare diseases be different? Is just because there's much less data on it?
1: Uh, there is, yeah, uh, there are few data and uh, also in real life, uh, rare diseases, rare diseases, um, because if you are not, uh, you don't have a, a big experience in the domain, like a doctor, and doesn't have a big experience in the domain, you can uh, skip it. Mm-hmm. or uh, because it is like, I mean, um, intuition sometimes. I mean, no, not intuition. I don't think it is, it is a bad word to say in, uh, for the doctors. If you haven't seen it before, you cannot recognize it, like right. let's say right. in that way. And um, in, in AI, so it means that again, if we have your data, we cannot mm-hmm. build knowledge. On top of that, right. that is uh, the issue with the rare diseases. And because ne- they are not well recognized, again, you are not uh, collecting this data mm-hmm. like a rare disease. So. Right,
0: right. Yeah, it makes, that, makes it much more harder to build an AI solution. Yeah. Joffrey yeah. Hinton, famous um, machine learning scientist, he famously said, I think it was mid 2010s, so like maybe 2016, that in five years we won't be training radiologists anymore. It's been more than five years and we're still training radiologists. Where do you, when do you think we'll get to a point where we, we will have so much confidence and trust in, in AI systems that they will nearly entirely augment a, a radiologist's job? It's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe like the, the amount of radiologists we'll need will uh, drastically decrease.
1: It is hard, of course. If uh, Jeffrey Hinden couldn't predict this, so <laughs> <laughs> don't rely on my numbers.
0: <laughs> it's more your domain than his, though. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, but um, well, not so far. I think so. I mean, it depends because in some in some countries you still work, you fill number, you fill papers, and the came papers and the came papers, even though we have electronic information. So. It depends. But we should agree that uh, AI solutions shouldn't never uh, make a decision. Like mm-hmm. uh, this is... It is advice. Um, la- yeah, they can assist. They can assist. This is one thing that because it is about regulations and these regulations will not be changed. Mm-hmm. If they change, then we'll all be in a trouble <laughs> because we want somebody, we want a human to treat us mm-hmm. and make a decision.
0: For now. <laughs> yeah, for now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't think we, we want, to I, I think as uh, a human being yeah. would like to be treated uh, by human, to feel the empathy, etc., yeah. etc. I don't know. If we come up to the point that we'll have a bio-robots, maybe.
0: Like humanoid, but, full, yeah. look, human-looking, but perfect
1: machines. For the moment, I don't see this future, let's say. No. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, 20 years? Let's predict on 20, 20 years. years. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll come back
0: here and do another, another podcast in, uh, in 20 years.
1: Uh, 20 years I'm saying about bio-robots. Uh, about adaptation, I feel it can take from 5 to 10 years. 5 to 10 years? To not have... full, not fully, but uh, some guidance Some uh, that uh, we can see in Armenia.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> Tell us where Five Brain is today. Um, what progress have you guys made since since launching? And I know you guys were a part of Berkeley Skydeck recently. And
1: uh, so we were in Berkeley Skydeck Europe Exploration Program. It was really fun. Now uh, we have several partnerships with Armenian, Italian, and uh, Portuguese hospitals for research purpose and other type of like gaining knowledge. Uh, We have several customers uh, from out uh, of Armenia and uh, we have users from Italy. So that is where we are and uh, we are building again, we're continuing to build Mm -hmm. the platform. Uh, It is uh, mostly in place and uh, it works. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. We have some uh, good results on that, uh, that um, analyzed. For example, twenty thousand images, and pick up from that uh, data set two thousand images. Mm-hmm. That uh, with that two thousand images, the same accuracy has been uh, achieved mm-hmm. as with. A training uh, with 20,000 images. Also, another um, benchmark that we have done, it is with the technology and supervised technology for MRI brain, uh, for MRI images for bra- uh, brain cancer. Uh, with this, we have achieved 94% accuracy and uh, 90, 94% sensitivity also, detecting the correct um, brain cancer, mm-hmm. distinguishing the uh, brain cancer. Now uh, we are planning again uh, to do researches with uh, well-known universities. We're now six uh, in a company.
0: And, uh, six in addition to the founders or? No, all together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, you, you mentioned that you guys are also um, working with Armenian institutions. Uh, can you speak a little bit more about that? How is it being used uh, in Armenia?
1: Uh, so we have started, uh, we are doing a couple of research uh, in Armenia. Uh, one of them, we are doing research with the histogen. It is a pathology center, uh, both practical and research center. Uh, there we are investigating the infections. For one, we, uh, we have just a mafia. on mafia. Yeah. Before we have started uh, to analyze and work with their data, uh, that is one aspect. Another uh, research that we have uh, it is with Armenian School of Radiology. Also, yet another one uh, we have start we are starting uh, with the Hematology Center, a Pediatric Cancer Department team. Uh, yeah, the most interest is again to investigate mostly on rare diseases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and also the ones that are uh, popular in Armenia.
0: Like there are diseases specifically that are mm-hmm. problematic in Armenia,
1: right? Like because, uh, first of all, we have data. Right. Uh, second, uh, we have the knowledge. Right. From right. the medical expert point right. of view. Not and you're from, here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we are here. We yeah. are only our the team. <laughs>
0: right, right. Yeah. Anna, last question. Where do you hope to see five brain in five years? It's a hint question. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't know how to answer to this question. What
0: problem do you hope 5 is solving in five years?
1: It is going, uh, again, to be t- the platform uh, that uh, automatically will help the AI s- solution. We're also going to be research, to have research, because uh, at some point we want to have foundation model, uh for the medical domain and um, from that again we need research teams to work uh, on uh, our technology with our technologies Mm -hmm. with us in general we see it like uh, the only platform that can be used for medical imaging uh, ai solutions Later cases, will add also the written form of diagnostics. And because medical experts, how would they treat? They, they also ask questions to the patients, right. right? And the decision is not only make on the looking into the, the scan. scan. Yeah. Um, so, this is in general where we plan to go.
0: Fantastic. I wish you a lot of luck with it, and I hope you'll come back. Before 20 years to, <laughs> to tell us about how it Thank you so much. Thank Anna. you. Thank, Thank you, you very
1: much.